Hello, my name is Doug from the Center for Career and Experiential Education. And I am Brianne Nepton, also from the Center for Career and Experiential Education. Today we're going to talk to you a little bit about how we got to where we are, um, but primarily focusing on the shifts and changes throughout our lives that have led us here, because it's not always been a direct path to career advising. No, no. I don't think anyone starts off their life going, I'm going to do that. No. When I was a kid and my teacher asked me, what do I want to be when I grow up? It was not career advisor. <laughs> it was, I actually said I wanted to be retired. Um, so maybe I'm on my path to that. <laughs> but I wasn't planning on getting there through career advising. I wanted to play for the Patriots, which, as best um, I can tell, isn't looking hopeful. You never know. I mean, with Rob gone, you uh, there might be a, a need that you could fill. So let's talk about when I entered college, I guess, because that's when I started initially thinking career. Um, when I came to college, I knew 100%. There was no doubt about it. I was going to be a lawyer. That was what my objective was. So I majored in justice and law administration at Western Connecticut State University. And throughout my time there, I learned that I hate reading cases. Um, <laughs> it's sort of important. It is. So if you don't like cases, um, being a lawyer isn't a great path for you to continue down. Unfortunately, I didn't really realize that until like mid-junior year. Ooh, that's a little late. Yeah. So switching majors um, mid-junior year is tough. Um, but I really had to, at that point, reflect on why did I initially want to be a lawyer and why do I not want to be one anymore and see what career path would possibly make sense for me then. So the reason I wanted to be a lawyer was I loved the trial atmosphere. I loved standing up in front of people. I loved talking. I loved presenting. Um, I liked putting an argument together and presenting it. That was stuff that was really enjoyable to me. Um, I'm seeing a trend already. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there's nothing I dislike more than reading and reading and then more reading, um, which is what I found out is a majority of being an attorney is you're reading past cases and learning about things called case law and all those other um, not so fun parts of being an attorney. So I started looking for a career that would allow me to enjoy the presenting, enjoy the going out in front of a bunch of people. And um, I was also an RA at that time in housing. So one of my favorite parts of that job was doing programming and events for the students because I got to stand in front of them and give them a presentation that then led to improving their lives or some type of benefit to the student, hopefully. And that's when I got into events. So I, instead of changing my bachelor's degree, started looking at what should my master's degree be in? And I got my master's degree in sport and event management from Springfield College. Yeah, that's definitely a smart move versus trying to start all over again, just sort of finishing up with what you've got and then making the switch later. Mm -hmm. My <laughs> my later switch was was late, late. And and uh, yeah, I, w I think I would have benefited had I known that career services was a thing since I didn't make my change until after I did my master's degree. I was going through college and I was majoring in environmental economics and management, which um, isn't actually a thing anymore. Uh, it has now morphed into a totally different major. And I, I was doing writing. I was writing for um, 
I was dra- helping draft and make edits to outreach and, and educational materials. I was helping to assist with outreach education of adults in, in home ownership and all of the fun things that come with that. And then I went on to get my master's in, in, in agricultural economics because the entire time I was thinking, I am going to do cost-benefit analyses at like a major corporation like Exxon and, and fight for the little guy from the inside and make Exxon pay all the money that they owe when, when oil spills happen. Um, I'm not really sure what sort of weird savior complex I was working with at that point, but um, it's not how things work. And then you wake up halfway through your master's degree and like, yeah, this is not what I want to be doing. So you do things like join the Peace Corps because <laughs> that makes total sense at the time. So when you pick the Peace Corps, what led to that? Was it you wanted to work in philanthropy or did you want to just delay life? I literally wanted to delay life. I I did not want to grow up. I had I, I was in my my bedroom in the apartment I was living in at the time and there was a um a car wash across the street and so I could hear the music playing from the car wash and I'm just thinking to myself I am 23 I'm going to graduate at 23 with a master's degree and all of these people are going to expect me to you know do an adult stuff and get a job and I'm like nah Nope, don't want to do it. So I sat up and said, "What? What can make me not grow up yet?" And and I don't know. I I, I truly have no idea why the Peace Corps was what popped in my head in that moment. But that's it did. And so I sat down and filled out a fifteen page application. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the reading that I was trying to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. When I was at that point, I didn't do the Peace Corps, but um, I did get my master's degree in the sport and event management um, program. So my first job out of grad school was actually a job that I created on my own because the job market wasn't great. And I wanted experience in the field that I was trying to break into. So what I actually did was, um, as embarrassing as this is, I created a pro wrestling company. Nice. Yeah. Yes. I thought, what have I enjoyed since I was five? And what am I trying to gain experience in? And I kind of combined the two. But ultimately, what I really knew was the reason I wasn't getting a job is because I didn't have the experience doing things in events that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So creating the wrestling company allowed me to book venues. It allowed me to learn about event insurance. It allowed me to contact talent so I had former people that worked for WWE come in and perform at my shows I would do the marketing I would do the PR I would do every aspect of that business and had fun doing it I didn't make much money at all I was working uh, my high school job simultaneously with a master's degree (laughs) while putting on wrestling shows Um, did you meet Hulk Hogan I did not meet Hulk Hogan Nope, he wants too much money to work in a gym. <laughs> Aw. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I gained the experience that I wanted. That's what was more important in that scenario than trying to develop a paycheck right away. Yeah. So once I had that experience on my resume, once I had some shows to talk about, I actually got my first professional 
position within the event industry. So there's an event um, company out in Norwalk, Connecticut, and I applied to be a sales executive to sell sponsorship and exhibit space at their events. Mm. Um, I talked about how I would sell sponsorship at the wrestling shows that I'd organize. I talked about having to create floor plans at the wrestling shows that I would organize and all the different details that went into that. Um, I think what impressed them more than me being able to do those what are now very basic things for me to do was the ambition that I had to go out and create an opportunity Mm -hmm. when one wasn't presented to me. So I've got a question. So you just said that you had gotten your master's degree, you were working your high school job, a job obviously you'd had for many years, but were still trying to get this job off the ground. Like, How do you manage that on your own? Or can you? Do you need to have people kind of in your corner making sure that you know, you're feeling okay about your about what you're doing? So I didn't re- – all I knew about the wrestling industry at that point was what I watched on TV. Mm-hmm. I was a fan. So in order to put that together, I – needed people who had knowledge of actually organizing and contacting the people that are involved with putting those shows on. So the first thing I did is what I now reference every day as networking. So I went out and I actually started talking to people that were already in the field that I was trying to create an opportunity within. So I talked to local wrestlers that weren't famous nationally, but had a following within Rhode Island and asked them, how do they get booked? What do they get paid? What are they insurance that they have when they go out, Mm -hmm. um, which turns out none. So these people go out and they risk their body and livelihood at about $15 a pop. Yikes. um, Something that I definitely had no idea that's what was getting paid out to these people. But they also had the knowledge of these are the people involved with creating the shows in the area. So as long as you can get them on board, it becomes kind of cookie cutter from the entertainment side of it. Yeah. And then I get to just focus on the business side, which is where I needed the experience. Yep. Interesting. Yep. It's all about who you get to know. Um, And then letting them know how you can provide value for them in return. Mm -hmm. So the people that I partnered with, the return they had on that was if I was successful, they had more opportunities to do what they enjoy doing. Right. I would be another company in the area creating shows that they could then perform on. Um, because for them, $15 a show, it's not about the money. It's about them getting experiences, about them doing something that they find fun mm-hmm. um, at that stage of their life. Nice. Yeah. I Everything I do, I always wind up having like literally zero clue. And I'm just like, yeah, that sounds like a really smart idea. No. Why would you ever go to a a developing nation having never traveled outside of the United States before and say, I'm going to do this because I'm ridiculous. And that has been that's been my common thread. <laughs> I always believe that you don't have experience until right after you need it. Yeah. Um. So. Everything you do for the first time, you have no experience doing it. But everything you do, you had to have at least done once for the very first time. Yeah. So I went into the event industry. I realized that I do enjoy putting on events. I enjoyed that standing in front of people, creating things that are going to improve their lives. But what I ended up learning while I was there is for the demographic of the people I was working with um, client-wise... Mm-hmm. they weren't as appreciative and they weren't getting as much out of it emotionally as I 
needed to feel fulfilled within my career. Mm -hmm. So I learned that the private or public, I'm not even sure what it would really be called, the non-educational event world <laughs> um, was something that was a lot of money being spent on it, but not a lot of satisfaction mm -hmm. um, in the end. So I started to evaluate what I wasn't enjoying about that job and what I was enjoying about that job. And I realized what I really ended up loving all the time was putting on events and networking and educational experiences for students on college campuses. Yep. Because when I create those opportunities and a student comes in and says, wow, I didn't know this 10 minutes ago, but now I do. And now my whole life could be different. That's actually a really cool thing to go home with. Yeah. Um, so that's when I decided I'm getting back into higher education. Um, but yeah, I got back into higher ed. The only experience I really had in higher education was working in housing and residential life. Um, but somebody at Sacred Heart University out in Connecticut took a chance on me and um, hired me for a position called the assistant director for the student experience. Um, couldn't be a more vague job title. <laughs> Every single thing a Welcome student does on ed. campus is part of their student experience. And I got to play a role in helping shape that. Nice. Um, within that role was learning about career development. Mm -hmm. I had already worked with students on their residential part of their life. So I knew half of it because that's where they spent half their time. The other half was in the academic side. And Sacred Heart did a great job training and teaching me more about that side. Yep. Um, but with it came learning about career services, learning how to do resumes, cover letters, career prep, interviews, all that stuff. Which at the time meant this is a part of my job. It wasn't like, yeah, this is what I'm here for. Um, but then life happens. And a week after my honeymoon, after getting married, Sacred Heart laid me off. Ooh, ouch. It's one thing to decide to make a change. It's another thing when that change is decided for you. That's harsh. Correct. Yeah. So I was without a job, um, a new wife a house, all this fun stuff that cost a bunch of money and I had just lost my income. So what I did when I graduated from my graduate program is essentially what I resorted back to when I was put in another situation where my back was up against a wall. Mm. I created a business. I created a restaurant um, out in Connecticut and it was something I thought I would always enjoy doing. It turned out to be the worst experience of my life. Um, within 11 months, I was begging to get back into higher education. And this is where life comes full circle. There was a friend that I had when I was in middle school um, who I was very, very close with. And she had a job at the University of Rhode Island in academic advising. Oh, look at that. So I was looking to move back to Rhode Island. Um, and I mentioned to her that I'd be moving back. She said that there was a position available within the Center for Career and Experiential Education. She actually said there were a few jobs available um, that had to do with interacting with students, faculty, and everything else. And since I had experience in all of the student experience, <laughs> um, I applied for every single job that was available in the Center for Career and Experiential Education, including the job that Bree has. <laughs> um, so I applied for all of those things which you would think would be really awkward to interview for three jobs simultaneously with the exact same people. And you'd be right. That's, 
very awkward <laughs> to answer the exact same questions over and over again. Like you haven't answered them before. Correct. <laughs> and in one hour, I'm saying why well, I want to be a career specialist. And then another hour, I'm talking about, well, I'm actually wanting to work with employer relations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then bouncing all over the place. But um, yeah, I interviewed for all three of them <laughs> um, and landed on career education specialist, which is a very fancy way of saying I became a career advisor. Yeah. Um, which I will say is the one that I wanted to land on. Um, but yeah, that where I am right now gives me every single thing I ever knew I wanted to do with my career. Yeah. So I get to work directly with students. I get to educate them on things that are going to change their lives. It's their careers. Um, I also get to present as often as I want. And all of those components were there. And I'm extremely happy in what I'm doing, even though at no point in my life I was ever saying, I want to go in the direction of career advising. Yeah. Um, it kind of fell into my lap from the networking and connections that I had throughout my life. And life just comes at you whether you plan for it or not. And this is where I landed. But as long as I kept understanding what it is that makes me happy and what it is that makes me miserable, and I kept getting more of the happy and less of the miserable, eventually I funneled myself into a position that gives me the great balance of what I'm looking for, which is where I'm at right now with absolutely no intention. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that, especially when you commented about the friend telling you that the, there was a job available, that is precisely similar to exactly what happened with me because for anyone that has not done the Peace Corps before, um, it's it's amazing. It was the best thing I could have possibly done with my life. I did more growing up in that two years than I could have possibly ever done. Um, but you, you, the two years ends and then it just ends. You've got the option to continue, but even if you did two more years, the same result still happens. Uh, you're on your mom's couch wondering, um, yeah, so there's a thing. It's called a job and maybe I should do something about it. But mom's um, couch isn't always a bad place to be. No, mom's couch was fab. Um, but I'm a person who gets really antsy very quickly. So mom's couch was not comfortable after two months. And so... I was on the phone with a friend and she's like, yeah, so I don't want to do my job anymore. And I'm like, oh, I can do your job. <laughs> I can absolutely do your job. So I did a quick interview because it was um, it was the fabulousness about the state system is that they can't hire someone for the job you're leaving until you've left it. So they couldn't post my friend's job until after she had vacated, but they couldn't let the job be be unfilled. So I got it for an interim. I was the Coastal and Environmental Fellowship Program Coordinator. And I did that. And I was flying by the seat of my pants for, for the start of it. It's probably not something I should say on a podcast for the university where I work, where that last job was too. But um, yeah, that's what, what the deal was. I was just kind of figuring it out. But had I had I really thought back and seeing the things that I was good at and really enjoyed in the very first job I had when I was here, when I was working for Allison and doing all of the homeowner education, it was the education, it was the presentation, it was presenting information to people that allowed them to better themselves because they were more educated on their homeowner 
issues, well water, safety, um, all of that sort of random things you don't think about. And I obviously wasn't thinking about it at age 18, but these homeowners were. Um, but it was the education and bringing this information to people that I was also doing when I was in the Peace Corps, working with um, uh, farmers and helping to create more sustainable farming practices in Moldova, which if you don't know where that is, neither does anyone else. It's right in between <laughs> Romania and Ukraine. It's amazing. I loved it. But it's it was this place where I... I started to figure out that I enjoy helping other people figure out what they want and then creating that opportunity. And that, that's what I got to do with the Coastal Fellows. And then after I sort of got to a point where I needed a new challenge, a job that did not exist previously, the experiential education coordinator position, which wasn't a thing when I first started working here at the university. It wasn't a thing really until about five, six years ago now. And it was allowing me the opportunity to continue creating situations where students can learn and get their hands dirty and figure out what they wanted to do with their lives. And so that's been the common trend with me in finding out what I really enjoy about my my work and how I live my life just in general is creating those opportunities for other people. That's what makes me happy and make me feel accomplished. So now that you're happy and accomplished and doing something <laughs> that you enjoy doing that you had no idea existed um, when you graduated with your graduate degree. Um, what do you think is the most important thing for somebody to be aware of while trying to navigate where to go with their career? You really need to take kind of a step back and it doesn't matter if you are majoring in general business or history or even nursing. What what are the things about those those educational opportunities? What are the things about the the job that you've been doing since high school? What uh, what is it that you enjoy? I never really thought about that. I came into college thinking very linear linearly about what I wanted to do with my life, so I didn't think to evaluate what I was already doing and had I taken that opportunity to think about what I actually enjoyed about my every day, I would have made some of these decisions sooner. Not that I'm complaining because the reason why I am even here today is because of all of those random things that happened to me and I do not regret them in any way, shape or form. But I might have gotten to this point sooner had I really taken a step back and thought, a little bit more minutely about what it was that made me happy. You know, is do, are you majoring in history because what you love is writing? Do you major in general business because what you really enjoy is a a fast-paced environment where you've got to be the one making the decisions? What are those little things that that give you joy, give you accomplishment that you can kind of take with you no matter what job you have? I completely agree with all of that. Um, I think when I look at a career, when I have a student come in and I'm talking to them about what they want to do with their life, it's really hard for me to say, well, if you become this job title, this is what you'll be doing because it's so different from organization mm -hmm. to organization to yeah. 
So being a career specialist at URI is completely different than being a career specialist at many other schools. There are schools that wouldn't allow me the opportunity to go out and present. That would be somebody else's job. Um, There's plenty of career specialists out there that sit in their office and hope students come to visit um, because that's the interaction they have in their day. So what it really came down to is me being able to vocalize in my job interview and in my cover letter, these are the things that I'm really looking for in a position. And when I realize that I need to write those things and answer those questions in a way that makes me the happiest as opposed to makes my employer the happiest, um, that's when I end up in a position that makes me really happy. Because if I answer the questions to what I'm really looking to achieve, and then I have an employer that hears that and hires me, then they're looking to provide me with the same opportunity. So I think I really, it really clicked for me when I realized I need to start applying for jobs for me, Mm. as opposed to applying for jobs to impress employers. Um, Because if I say what somebody else wants to hear, then I have a job that somebody else wants to have. Um, So really being able to articulate what it is I enjoy, what it is I don't enjoy, Mm. management styles that I've worked with well in the past, things that just being able to vocalize my interests, my experiences, my happiness. Um, When people see that passion, success follows that. Um, one thing you may not notice in the 25 minutes that we've been <laughs> talking is we haven't talked about salary. When I was 18, I was all about money. That was the priority. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized that there are lawyers making a real lot of money, but there are a lot of lawyers that are waitressing at the Olive Garden. Yep. Um, nothing against waitressing at the Olive Garden, but you typically don't get your PhD to go do that or your doctorate to go do that. No. Um, so to go through all of that schooling to potentially be a waiter, um, it told me that money doesn't necessarily follow a career title um, as much as I may have been taught that through my parents and through TV and movies. What money truly follows is what you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, my sister is a elementary school teacher, mm-hmm. and they are typically known for not making much money. No. Um, but my sister's figured out how to make about seventy-five to eighty thousand dollars a year being an elementary school teacher because she's passionate about what she does. Yeah. She's making more than some lawyers. Um, so what I knew was I needed to find a field that I'd be passionate about, and once I was passionate about a field, I would have the will and energy and desire to go out and do the things I need to do to get people to give me money. Um, So I'm doing something I really enjoy. I'm making more money now than I have anywhere else. Um, And it's strictly because of the effort and energy and time I put into something that I genuinely enjoy doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One of one of the big things that brings me joy outside of of this job is travel and getting to experience new things and new places and, and new people. New food. I live for food, so anytime new food comes my way. Um, but I get to, I have had the opportunity to actually travel with this job. Um, I was able to take groups of students to, on alternative spring breaks where we did service trips. And so like Doug was saying, you know, there are ways to find what you want, whether it's, you know, Taking the opportunity to do travel within your job, or or you know, all all of those things. I lost my train. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only reason money exists is to get you things. So if your job provides you with those things, you don't necessarily need the money to pay for it. No. So if traveling is really important 
in your life and your work provides you with travel, it's one less thing you need to pay for. So your salary doesn't necessarily have to be as much as it would be if you worked at a place that doesn't give you that. Yeah. Um, so finding the things that you would normally pay for as a part of your actual career, that's Bonus. a benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And so anything else? I think that's pretty much it. Uh-huh. Um, if you're listening at home in your car, um, wherever you may be, and you say, I wish that they answered this question. Here's how you can get that answer. We're in Roosevelt Hall on the first <laughs> floor. <laughs> we are open from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., 52 weeks a year. Woo-woo. So if you stop in and say, hey, we want an answer to this question, um, it can be about career-related stuff. It can be about life. It can be anything you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, please stop in and visit us. Um, if you're not lucky enough to see either Bree or myself, the other people are good as well. Um, <laughs> if, if you have to visit them, yep. you they're fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're here to help you. And speaking of other people listening to our podcast, you're getting to know a few of the other people as well, one of which is named Amy. Um, she has a couple other podcasts where if this one interested you, which I mean, you've listened to us for a half hour at this point, <laughs> I assume you're interested. I would hope so. Yeah. Um, she has podcasts that talk about finding your connection. So that's the networking. That's that getting out there and meeting people piece. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about volunteering to career. So kind of a lot of emphasis on what Brie was talking about with her yeah. career path. Um Oh, work-life balance. Sorry, T- Doug can't read my handwriting because I write like a two-year-old. Um, what it's supposed to say is balance versus sway and talking about how you can find kind of swaying your life so that when you have to concentrate on family, you do that. And then when, when that's fine, you then concentrate on work. And trust me, whenever you've got both, you figure out how to, how to sway when necessary. Yep. And the final one is failing forward. Um, I don't want you to think that we're here promoting failure. Um, What that's actually going to be talking about is sometimes in your life, you're going to do things that the people around you may view as a failure. And sometimes even you may view it as a failure. But um, we're going to talk about how you can take those experiences and pull the best stuff out of them. So when you have that wrestling company that's not making (laughs) a ton of money, um, it still may in the future lead to that career that makes you a real lot of money. and I think that that's not a failure. I think that that's a major success. Absolutely. So learning more about that, those are all things that Amy's going to talk about in other podcasts. So keep your eye open for those. All right. Well, we just want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, again, my name is Brianne Nepton. I'm Doug Wiemet. Um, Make sure you also keep your eyes open and ears open for more podcasts from us. Thank you. Woo.